Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 261. Hey, my riches, I'm Hayut. And as every Monday, it's a true pleasure being here with you. The three episodes that any entrepreneur must listen to. Five years ago, I started my Rich or Miss podcast for entrepreneurs. 260 episodes to date and counting. I took something from almost any episode. And of course, there were many I really learned something from. However, there are three episodes I think are the core of entrepreneurial marketing. I invite you to listen to these three inspiring thought leaders. Find the difference between what you do and what they talk about. Choose one thing that you will do differently from today. I think it's the one thing that will help you become a better entrepreneurial marketer. I've been waiting for this guest and I'm so excited to have here with me today, John Lee Domas. John is the host of EO Fire. He is the author of the Freedom Journal and the Mastery Journal, two of the most funded publishing campaigns of all time on Kickstarter. And all the magic happens at eofire.com. Hey, John. I'm fired up to be here with you, hey, Ute. Let's do this. Let's do it. And let's dive on right to the first question I want to ask you. And I wanted to ask you for your best advice about approaching the customers. What are your concepts or beliefs on the way a startup or entrepreneurial business should approach its customers? And give your best advice for their or our listeners' customer approach. Okay, I feel like for a customer approach, number one, you need to know who your perfect customer is, that ideal customer, that avatar. And once you know who that person is, you can then start creating free, valuable, and consistent content for that person. Once you created that free, valuable, and consistent content for that person, you want to make sure you're getting it in front of them. So you need to find them and make sure that you're putting that content in front of them. And of course, they'll be attracted to that content because, again, you're creating it for them specifically. And then once you have the opportunity to get in front of them, meaning asking them a question, sending them an email newsletter or a social media message, you have to ask the question, what are you struggling with? And so then you can start to understand your customers, your ideal customers, what their pain points, obstacles, challenges, and struggles are so that you, the person that, by the way, has been delivering free, valuable, and consistent content, um, you can provide the solution in the form of a product, a service, or a community. So 
if you go about it in the right way, you're not just somebody pitching them something. No, you're somebody that's already provided them value, who they are growing to know, like, and trust, who asked them what they're struggling with, who listened to them as they shared their pain points, and then who now is saying, hey, you told me that you're struggling with this. Here's the solution. I would love to offer it to you. Here it is. That's the best way to approach customers. Wow. And you've been with customers for quite a while, a few years already, and I know you had a lot of successes, and we'll get to that. But what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most? Can you tell us about this? This was a large mistake that I made that I have not replicated since because it was a big waste of time, energy, effort, and money. Um, it goes back to 2013 when I had a lot of people saying, John, um, I love your podcast. Like I'd love to create my own podcast in my own industry or niche. And me saying, well, what should I do? Um, hmm, how would I create a entire platform that I will create other people's podcasts for them. I'll host their shows. I'll edit their podcasts. I'll create their show notes. I'll do it all, you know, for just a couple hundred bucks a month. And I thought that it was going to be a no-brainer. In fact, I called it Pod Platform. And everybody that I, I ran the idea by were like, John, that's a great idea. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. And I went out, hired the virtual assistants, built a team, you know, got the hosting ready and everything was prepped. And then I launched and only one person signed up for the service. Wow. And luckily it was the perfect number because, and I say that because um, if I had zero people that signed up, I might've tried to relaunch and, and done it again. Or if I had a hundred people sign up, I would have been really obligated to those hundred people because a lot of people would have put their trust in me. Fortunately, again, in hindsight, only one person signed up, which quickly led me to realize that, wow, I don't want to be in this business because I don't want to be editing people's shows and uploading their intros and outros and hosting it for them and doing all the things that it takes to essentially run a podcast, but running somebody else's podcast. And I was then able to go back to just the one person and say, listen, I'm sorry, um, here's here's your money back. This is just not the type of business that I want to run. So instead of, you know, having to either um, go to a hundred people or think or or not even know that I didn't want to run that business because zero people signed up. Fortunately, one person signed up and showed me this is not what I want to do. But I wasted so much time, so much energy, so much money finding that out when I could have said, hey, everybody's telling me they want this. Before I actually go out and create this and, and hire people and train and all this, let's actually have people put their money where their mouth is and invest in this product before it exists. And I did that a few months later with Podcasters Paradise, and that concept really caught on. I had 50 people sign up before we launched, which made me realize that, wow, I can really turn this into something. And, you know, And now fast forward to today, Podcasters Paradise has – over 3,000 members, over $4 million in revenue, all because I went about it in a different way. You sure did, because I enjoy Podcasters Paradise so much. It's such Yay! a tool. Of course, <laughs> everything you teach me, I use. And I just wanted to ask you, how long did you wait to see how many people are going to join you? I did the whole launch, you know, so it was like a week launch, and I opened the, the cart, and I 
you know, pushed it hard and went throughout the week. And then I closed the cart and, you know, so it was like a whole launch sequence that I kind of went through. And when just the one person signed up, I said, you know what, this just isn't something that seems to be catching on. And then when I started doing the work, I was like, and this is not work that I want to be doing. So that made me realize I needed to pivot fast. Knowing to shut down something, knowing that something doesn't succeed, it's really a gift as well. Yes, absolutely. Now I want to ask you about your biggest success. And tell us about your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. Uh, well, I did share briefly Podcasters Paradise, so I won't go back there, but that was a huge one. Um, but an- another one that's uh, very comparable success-wise uh, would be the Freedom Journal. And the Freedom Journal was something that you know, I kind of had in the back of my mind for a while because my audience kept asking me, John, how do we set and accomplish goals? Like We, we hear you talk about goals all the time on EO Fire, but how do you do that? And I decided to to create a resource and a guide that would walk people through the setting and accomplishing of their number one goal in 100 days. And I turned that into the physical uh, faux leather gold embossed um, journal and called it the Freedom Journal. And, you know, I, I wanted, again, to prove the concept so that I knew that people really wanted this. So, you know, I essentially approached a handful of people and said, hey, Um, is this something that you would actually want and use, a physical journal um, to guide you and accomplish your number one goal in 100 days? And when people said yes, I'd say, well, listen, when I make it, you know, when, when I actually create this, it's going to be $40, um, but you um, can lock yours in right now for 20 bucks. And, you know, if, if you do, then that's going to show me that you really do want something like this. And if nobody was willing to, to cough up 20 bucks for something that didn't exist yet, but would in, in the future, that by the way, would cost twice as much, then I would have known that it was not a big enough pain point. But people really wanted it. They were happy to fork over 20 bucks for the future um, physical hardcover journal, Freedom Journal. And it made me realize, wow, this is something. Okay. Um, by the way, I kept all the money because, you know, that's part of the thing. You're going to make it real. And then I went and created the journal and then, of course, distributed the first copies off the press to the, to, to the, the first backers and then just continued um, to see how I could improve it and make it better. And I launched it via Kickstarter in January of 2016 to uh, great acclaim, selling over $453,000 worth of journals in just 33 days. Wow. And there are many things always that affect success. I want to end and ask you about your key success factor. You know, I would say that in a nutshell would be my investing in myself through mentors, through masterminds, because I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know a lot about podcasting, but I knew that if I was willing to invest in myself with the right mentors, surround myself with the right people via a mastermind, that I was going to be able to give myself the best opportunity to succeed. So, you know, I had to do it just like you. Hey, you've mm-hmm. invested in yourself in many areas and you're deriving the success from those investments. You know, it's people that are not willing to invest both financially and time-wise. Because, you know, it's not always just about investing money. It's about investing your time as well. And those people that aren't willing to invest in themselves with those two things 
um, are going to have a lot harder road than people that are. And so for me, um, investing in myself with the mentors, with the masterminds, uh, with the communities, with the conferences, it's been everything. I couldn't agree more, and I think the issue is to know to invest in yourself also after 30 years or 20 years or 10 years that you're in the business, and there's so much for us to study and learn. Yeah. And thank you for having so much things I can learn from you and from your fire. <laughs> It's uh, really exciting me, and I would like to thank you, John, and I would like to um, hope you will be a guest a few years from now and... We will hear about your new project because you are on fire. Well, I would love to come and be a guest. You know, it was great meeting you in person. I look forward to the next time that we do so. And best of luck with everything that you have going on. And uh, congrats on your current success. Hmm. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. Chris Brogan provides strategy and skills for the modern business. He is CEO of Honor Media Group, a sought-after public speaker, and the New York Times best-selling author of nine books and working on his tenth. Hey, Chris, it's so great to have you here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's really a great honor. I just shared with our listeners what you actually were doing until now. Can you please share with us your concept of beliefs on the way a startup or entrepreneurial business should find and approach its customers? And give us your best advice about approaching the customers. I think that if I were to give the best advice I could have for a startup or entrepreneurial person is to always design forward from the customer. A lot of times when we're thinking about being a startup, we maybe run to our office or our kitchen table or our garage or our coffee shop with our friends. And we say, what can we design? What can we create? What can we make? We need a, a bot, you know, because this week everyone wants to make bots. And, uh, yeah, sure. you know, or next week it'll be, you know, we need virtual reality or something. But what they don't ask is, what does a customer want in this moment? And how do we give them that? How do we deliver something that's going to be great for a customer? So, for instance, we all have had that experience when we dial a business telephone number. And then we get, you know, for English, press one, for, for yeah. Hebrew, press two, for, <laughs> you know, Arabic, press three, and it just goes and goes. And we lose our mind because we, we just want to talk to somebody. And the reason those, those systems exist is because it's very expensive to have someone waiting to take a phone call, especially if the information is really simple. And yet the design of those services is built without the customer in mind. It's just sort of built. random and usually as if someone were forced to sit down and come up with the questions. So I think that I would take a big piece of paper, like real life paper, a real pen or pencil, and I would start with a circle in the middle and say, this is my customer. How do I get them what they want and what's my role in it? And how do I make this the best possible way of delivering this? And I look at very specific metrics and methods for that. For instance, I'm always looking at how do we improve velocity, like the speed of delivery? How do we reduce friction? What keeps them from getting what they want? And then a third one, which is a little strange for most, how do we also add connectivity and communication to this so that the customer feels like they not only can talk to people at the organization, but maybe even talk to other people who like or buy the same things the customer is buying so that they can have that sense of built in connectivity to other people and not feel alone when they make their purchasing decision. So if you should wrap it all together for one sentence advice, how would you say that? 
I believe that a business should really look to be helpful first and that they should think in the terms of is this simple, is this smart, and is it shareable? And I think that's probably the way I would look at it. Great. And um, I know you had a lot of successes. However, I want to start with uh, the failure. So what is your biggest, most critical failure about customers or with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most? Oh, my gosh. I fail every day. So um, <laughs> sure. That's a All of us. Yeah, my biggest ones, I guess. Um, anytime I try to design from my idea or my arrogance or my ego, that usually fails. So when I say, you know, this is what customers will want, that's when I fail. Because I believe that I know what's best, just like a parent, you know. <laughs> I am like on the plate, I am like broccoli and it would be great to eat more broccoli. Your body wants more broccoli, most people. And, you know, your body says, oh, I would feel so much better if you ate that. But broccoli is not sexy. And sometimes people think they want cake, you know. So um, I have to deliver broccoli cake if I'm going to help my customer. So my big failure, you know, for instance, I launched a, a, a project broccoli where – Broccoli cake? No. Uh, yeah, I call it. I call it. You hide the broccoli in the cake. Okay. Um, but you know, when I make that joke, sometimes people uh, think that's the most horrible thing, and then I always tell them, "Well, there's things like zucchini bread, so there's <laughs> there's precedent, and there's carrot cake, so you know there's precedent. We hide food like that." Um, so my biggest failure was I started a bunch of little private online communities that I thought everyone was going to love. I started one for health care stuff. I started one for nonprofits. I started one for real estate. And I had other people try to run them and be the face of them. And I failed horribly. I spent so much money and lost it all. Um, because uh, just asking someone to run the community doesn't mean they know uh, how to be a good community leader and how to help people really connect inside those groups. Uh, but it came from, uh, you know, a very general experience of not working from that side of the fence of this is what might benefit a customer. You know, everyone is so yeah. smart. You know, I know some people in the startup community in Tel Aviv, for instance, and they're all so smart. Well, because my my former boss and mentor, Dr. Uh, Jeff Pulver, uh, spends time with Yossi Vardy. The breakfast with Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah. So I know those people, and I, I've had the pleasure of sitting with Israeli startups a bunch of yeah. times. You know, and I know you speak to more than just Israeli, but I, I know that's kind of where you're based. But the experience I have many times with those people, many times with different people, young, excited men and women who tell me about their great product, is they've developed a product they know how to create, but they haven't necessarily developed a product that anyone asked for. And I think that's the big challenge. And I think it's how do you take your wizardry and your youth and your brilliance or sometimes your age? I love older people in startups way more than I love younger ones. And how do you take that that wisdom and apply it to a real customer challenge? I think nothing happens until we do that. And the biggest startups that we all praise came from solving a very simple problem very well. That's right. And now I want you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. I don't know that I've had my greatest success yet. I, I, 
<laughs> till now. Till I, I, I love it. I, I love it. So maybe today is my greatest success because I spoke with you. <laughs> but I feel like... Thank you, Chris. I feel like... I have not really had my greatest success. I'm, I'm known for a lot of things. I've, I've won some awards, like a best-selling type book and all that. But I think my greatest success will be when thousands of people say, you've really changed my business and you've changed my life. And I feel like I could do things better because I followed what you gave me for advice. And, and that hasn't really happened in, in a great volume yet. I guess I'm still waiting for my parade. <laughs> I must say that I've been changing quite a lot of things just from listening to you in the social media marketing world. We met there and also reading your uh, stuff. So I think there are a lot. I don't know if they're always telling us about that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. It's such an honor and I'm so grateful. Thank you for taking the time. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye, Chris. About today's guest, I don't have gurus. But if I would have marketing gurus, he is definitely one of the two. And I'm so happy that my guest today is Mark Schaefer. Mark Schaefer is a globally recognized author, speaker, podcaster, and business consultant who blogs at Grow, one of the top five marketing blogs of the world. He has been a keynote speaker at prestige events all over the world, including SXSW, Marketing Summit Tokyo, and the Institute of International and European Affairs. He has appeared as a guest on media channels such as CNN and Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, and CBS News. Mark Schaefer, it is a real, real, real great honor for me. Hi. Hello. How are you? The pleasure and honor is mine. I'm so happy you are here. I think there are so many things that our listeners will be able to hear from you. So I'm very happy you're here. And I just shared with our audience what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you a question which is not usually, I don't usually ask, what is marketing for you? How would you define it today? Marketing is it's finding unmet and underserved needs, creating demand for those needs in a unique way, hopefully by establishing an emotional connection. I think that's a key idea today. I mean, not always, because sometimes you just want a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just need petrol for your car and you don't need to an emotional connection. But I think to establish a brand yeah. instead of just serving a need because you're hungry or you need petrol, um, I think to establish a brand that usually involves some sort of awareness, some sort of trigger in your heart and your mind. And I think that's the real opportunity today for marketing. I love that. I, I just think that marketing is today not for marketers. There are so many entrepreneurs and startup founders that starts mainly by themselves or there are two or yeah. three. And they should do marketing as well. Well, you're really hitting on a, on a hot button for me because I love working with entrepreneurs and, and startup communities. I, that's, I, just, I just love that energy. But the biggest frustration I have is that marketing is almost always overlooked. 
startups and entrepreneurs, they're in love with an idea. They're in love with a business model and they put off marketing. They think, oh, marketing, that's DIY. I can read some blog posts and I can do that. But marketing is about finding and acquiring customers. And if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. Totally. So marketing has to be front and center in your business plan. And that's hard. Here's my, here's my own confession. When I was starting my business, which is a marketing business, and sure. I created this business plan, the page in the business plan that stayed blank the longest period of time was the marketing page. Oh. It's, it's hard. It's really, really hard, but you've got to address it. And if you're not a natural marketer, if you're not trained in marketing, you've got to get help because marketing really is, is the centerpiece of the business, no matter how good your idea is, no matter how much you're in love with it. If you don't have customers, you're not going to have a business. Sure. Wow. Um, I want to ask you, what is your best advice? For any entrepreneur or startup founder that listen to us, what is the best advice regarding customer approach or customer focus on anything regarding marketing and sales? Well, I'll give you um, I'll tell you a little story that I think describes my answer. I was uh, contacted by a young guy who was starting with a company. It was a company in the Midwest, and he said, I'm, I'm really struggling creating a social media and content program for my customer. And I, I felt sorry for the guy. He was just out of school, and he wanted to do well. And so I said, well, you know, call me up, and I'll see if I can help you. Mm. So I said, have you been out to visit your customers? <laughs> he said, no. And he had been at this company for about six months. Wow. And so, and this tends to be too much of a focus today. People immediately jump to social media. Yeah. It just seems like the thing to do. It just seems like low-hanging fruit. That's not marketing. It's not marketing. So I said, you need to get out. Are there salespeople in your office? He said, yeah. I said, are they out visiting customers? He said, yeah. I said, I want you to go to your boss and tell him that for the next two weeks, you are going to be tagging along with these salespeople hmm. and you're going to be talking to customers. And I want you to see what are your competitors doing. I want you to talk to your customers and saying, what do you love about your business? What do you hate about your business? What keeps you up at night? Hmm. Where can we serve you better? Marketing can be about better delivery, sure. different types of pricing, collaborative advertising, end-of-aisle marketing in his case. Yeah. It could be about different sizes. It could be about different packaging. That's marketing. It's about, like I said, it's finding those unmet and underserved needs. And doing it faster and more effectively than your competitors. Hmm. One of the greatest marketing successes in my career was finding a unique transportation and delivery solution for my customer that kind of blocked out a competitor. Hmm. It meant millions and millions and millions of dollars for my company. had nothing to do with social media or blog posts. <laughs> But with the need. We need to take a more holistic view. Of what marketing really needs today we need to get back to the heart of what we're trying to do and not be so obsessed with with social media 
and if you have to say it as an advice what would you advise get out and talk to customers love that it'd be the, it'd be the same advice that i gave this young man is that the, the truth the wisdom the insights are out there you just have to be humble enough to go out ask questions and learn and listen and the truth your marketing plan will come to you but you just have to go out and ask the right questions and listen well i love that and of course i agree with that jeremiah garner perhaps i'll ask you about the recommended tool so he said a cup of coffee with your customers go talk ah, with them ah, <laughs> that is beautiful right. i love that i love that i'm going to steal that okay you can <laughs> it's it's a great answer i love that and you can steal it i want to ask you what was your biggest most critical failure the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey or your journey the most or oh, one of them what is it can you share it with us well it wasn't necessarily a failure with my uh customer it was a failure with <laughs> me and um the entrepreneurial journey is also a journey of self-discovery self-awareness and um my fatal flaw the thing that i am not good at and that i don't enjoy is selling and self-promotion mm. and it's ironic because um i saw this uh, article in the new york times uh many years ago and it said Oh, I think they had done some research or something. They said, here are the five characteristics of a successful entrepreneur. And so I was reading down this and like, number one, yep, that's me. Number two, <laughs> yep, that's me. Number five was you have to be good at selling. Oh. And I thought, nope, that is not hmm. me. And I've had sales jobs in my career, but they were enterprise sales. They were more, it wasn't out getting the hunt it wasn't business development it was like relationship development of existing accounts and growing existing accounts and that's something i was very good at so i i kind of had this self-awareness that i didn't enjoy selling i didn't enjoy self-promotion and i got into an entrepreneurial venture that really took heavy heavy lifting on b2b sales i created a little company i i had this This IP that, I, that was really dynamite uh, around uh, content marketing. Everybody that heard about it loved the idea, were excited about the idea. But the B2B sales cycle can be grueling. Mm -hmm. And I would talk to big companies and they said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But the problem is you're out of line with our budget cycle. <laughs> We've got to talk to you next year. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're all into this. We're ready to sign the contract. We just had a reorganization. We can't do it. Oh, yes, I'm ready to do it. We'll be back to you next week. Oh, sorry, my boss just got fired. We have to wait till the new boss comes in. And the B2B sales process wore me down. And there were so many other things in my life that were much more fun <laughs> yeah. and much more interesting that I just couldn't do it. And so the lesson is I need help in that area. If I have some sort of entrepreneurial activity, I've got to have help on the sales side to make it work because that is not my strength. The personal selling thing 
is not my strength. I've got the other bases covered as an entrepreneur. And so that was, I mean, it could have been a success, but the failure was, was my own because I didn't, I didn't listen to my head and really, and really be self-aware like I should have been. Wow. I must tell you that um, I started with marketing. I started with service, but then I started with marketing and I learned to sell as part of the marketing. I, I had a lot of salespeople, so I didn't have any choice. And I mm-hmm. fell in love with selling. And mm-hmm. it's, it's strange. Well, then you and I should I wish that. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, and I always say, I love doing marketing. I'm enjoying for 32 years, but almost nothing like the kill of uh, closing the cell. Yes. And I want to ask you, what is the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers? It can be early in your days as a marketing manager. It can be anywhere. Well, oh boy, see, I've had a career even longer than yours, <laughs> sure. so I've got lots, kind of lots of stories that are spinning through my brain, but um, I think um, I'd like to reflect on a more recent one, and one of the things I'm really proud of and one of the things that I enjoy doing is I have this um, this little thing on my website where people can sign up for an yeah, hour of I my time, that. and the reason I do that is um, what well, started out <laughs> it started out as a solution to a problem because lots of people would come to me and say I want to pick your brain which what they're saying is I want your advice for free <laughs> and I you know I, and I do like to help people I do like to help friends but if I said yes to, to every one of those inquiries that's all I would do and all I have to sell in my life is my time so I can't possibly do that so I put this little thing on my site where you can sign up for an hour of my time and For two hundred dollars, I figure anybody can afford that if they can't afford that, then they're really not serious, and they'll go away. But what happened was, yeah, a lot of people sign up, and so I get to talk to people from all over the world in all kinds of different interesting businesses and help them with their their problems and There's one that kind of sticks out to me. There was a woman who had been very, very successful. And she was handling uh, malpractice insurance for physicians, and there was a regulatory change in America that basically destroyed her business. The doctors were not going to need her services wow. anymore. Wow. So she was calling me, "What do I do? What do I do?" So I said, "Well, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into this business? It's in a very unusual business. How did you get into this?" And she told me this story that she had been a very sickly child she had almost died a few times and doctors had saved her life and she just loved doctors she loved the medical profession and she said mark it's so frustrating to me because there's so much paperwork and regulations that the doctors have to deal with I want to help doctors be doctors wow I, I remember said, hmm. that from knowns Yeah, that you was said, enough. Right and I said, yeah. I said, you know, that's, that's really interesting. I said, that's, that's more than just doing malpractice insurance. What other things could you do to help doctors be doctors? That's what you want to be known for. That's what you want to hold on to. And it just, she just was on fire. It just lit her up. 
She said, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and I have enough relationships with these doctors. I could call them right now. She wrote me an email in one month. All she had to do was go out to her customers and listen and ask the right questions and listen. What more can I do for you? And she had these deep relationships with these, really these deep friendships with these doctors where they were willing to turn over other opportunities for her. And in one month, she had rebuilt her business. Wow. And, but it gets back down to that fundamental idea that we talked about is you need to discover those underserved or unmet needs and find a way to serve them in a way better than anybody else. And that's exactly what she did. And all it took was have, just like you said, the best marketing weapon is a cup of coffee. Yeah, it's uh, Jeremiah Gardner said, but yeah, it is. You know, you got to get out there and uh, and talk to people and listen. You know that this is, um, I was surprised because I'm asking this question about the best advice. And I interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs like the one we talked about and a lot of others. And almost all of them said in the advice, listen to your customers. And almost none of the entrepreneurs and the startup founders do that. Right. So... And, then the, but, and you look at what's the number one reason for failure? No market demand. Right, 42%. That's the number one reason. So that's why I said it's so important. You have got to build marketing up front into your business plan. It, it can't be last. It can't be DIY. Sure. Uh, when I say DIY, it means you know, do it yourself. I don't know if that's a common term, but if you need to get help, get help. But you've got to build that into the, wow. the program up front. Mark, before I go to the last question, which is my mountain question, I want to ask you, there are many things or many factors that affect our success or people's success. But I believe that everyone has the most important factor, something unique that really affected their success. So I want to ask you, what is your key success factor? A key success factor for me stems from a wonderful piece of advice I received when I was in graduate school. I had this life-changing opportunity to study for three years under a man named Peter Drucker. <laughs> sure. Peter Drucker is... For your listeners who might be um, unfamiliar with him, he is probably the greatest author and business consultant in wow. history. And he, even though uh, he died probably seven or eight years ago, even today, his writing and wisdom from the 70s, from the 80s, from the 90s is still used in business today. And I remember that someone asked him one time, uh, Professor Drucker, you work with tech companies and chemical companies and food companies and coal companies. How could you possibly know so much about all these businesses that you can effectively work and help these businesses? And he said, the key to leadership is not having the right answers. Hmm. It's having the right questions. Hmm. And that is... I think such a great insight to be successful in the world today is to be humble, to 
be able to have the courage to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and listen to them and to be curious and to know enough about the world to be able to ask the right questions and to find the right solutions. But it doesn't have to be all on you. And that's how I approach leadership. That's how I approach consulting. You know, I don't go in. I mean, think about it. You go into a company, and I'm working with people who have been at this company 20 or 30 years. Yeah. How in the world would I be so arrogant to think that I have answers better than them? Hmm. And so the key to success is not trying to be the smartest person in the room. It's being the most humble person in the room hmm. and, and leading those people to success by helping them find what they're missing, mm -hmm. finding those, you know, and that's what I'm good at. I, I can see how all the dots get connected. I can see how trends come together and where we need to be next. And by, you know, asking the right questions, you can find those opportunities. You can find those possible uh, points of leverage and those innovations that can take a company to the next level or solve an important problem. But it doesn't come from trying to tell people what to do. Hmm. It's listening and helping them find their own truth. I love that so much. And I always tell everybody, each uh, entrepreneur and each startup company, what a good marketer or a good manager knows is that we know nothing. <laughs> we don't know. We know to check. Mm -hmm. Really, I don't know. I know to check mm -hmm. and I can see the answers, but we don't know. And I think it's almost the same. <laughs> and Mark, I would like to thank you so much. It has been inspiring and educating and I enjoyed every minute of that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.